The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome back to the show, you two. How you doing? Doing great. Hey. Thanks for having us. Of course. Yes, doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot to talk about. So, okay, this has been really big in the news. The woman who falsely accused Emmett Till won't be prosecuted. Bree, why don't you tell us a bit more about what's going on with that story? Oh, my goodness. I can say that I was not surprised by this, Mm -hmm. um, but it is still a little bit disheartening. They tried and they really did try to get justice for Emmett Till. As you know, his mother fought for years just for attention to be brought to the case because she knew that it was never fully investigated properly. Um, But the woman, you know, she is in her 80s now. She is it looks as if she's sickly. I don't know her personal medical history. You know, I think she lives with her son and that's how they found her. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they don't think that there is enough evidence to prosecute her really is the issue. So I understand the disappointment, um, but the Mississippi grand jury uh, deciding not to hold Carolyn Bryant Donham accountable. uh, She basically is just kind of going to get away with it because they never filed the uh, paperwork. Mm -hmm. They found it in the basement of a uh, was it an old police station? Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, yes. So it's just unfortunate that it took all this time. That paper was never thrown away for all these years. They served it. But, you know, it doesn't really serve any type of purpose at this point. The whole point of the grand jury in Mississippi, basically, Attorney General Lynn Fitch, they said that they don't believe and District Attorney Dwayne Richardson in Mississippi say they don't believe they have the evidence to pursue the case. But they're saying Richardson secretly took the case before a grand jury. Um, where the LaFleur County jurors deliberated on charges of kidnapping and manslaughter. Um, They had seven hours, more than seven hours of testimony from witnesses and investigators in the case and nothing. 
So it just the family is disappointed because they're saying that they didn't even get to be made aware that this was happening, that they just kind of snuck it in there to that grand jury. And the family was unaware of what was going on. And uh, they even spoke with Emmett Till's cousin, uh, Reverend Wheeler Parker, and he just called it unfortunate but predictable. And I'd have to agree. Now, this is something that we've talked about on the show here. Obviously, uh, a big story around the country. Federal agents raid the Florida home of former President Donald Trump. And this activity angered uh, his Republican supporters. So, Morgan, give us a bit more about this. Okay, so, yeah, this happened um, at his Mar-a-Lago estate on Monday Mm -hmm. um, in connection with materials that he may have he may have taken from the White House. Um, So apparently uh, those items were uh, marked classified or at least the items that the FBI was searching for was marked classified by the National Archives. And um, the the former president who was in New York at the time um, is basically saying that. Uh, the FBI broke into his safe and um, he summed it up as an attack by radical left Democrats. He's claiming it's one of those uh, political ploys. Um, he also took shots at Hillary Clinton and and the incident with her regarding deleted emails. And a lot of people are comparing the two and saying that, you know, Clinton's estate was not raided. So the issue with this is that some of his supporters are bringing up um as much as we hate to admit it, some valid arguments. For example, Senator uh, Florida Senator Marco Rubio is saying that this, if this is now the precedent, because this is an unprecedented um, incident, that this has never happened to a former president before, that now that makes it okay going forward that, you know, when the parties switch or if and when the parties switch, just basically be prepared for what goes around comes around. In the midst of this whole thing, Trump has invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to answer any questions in a deposition that happened in New York. The funny thing was that they used his own words against him, saying, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Then, of course, he blamed the media. He blamed, um, you know, uh, saying that he's just being unfairly treated because of who he is and that his eyes have been open to just an unlawful prosecution team and... A media that is biased against him anyway. So he said, it doesn't matter what he says, they're going to find a way to try to make him guilty. So the only thing he answered was what his name was. <laughs> and that so was pretty much the, it. Here's the thing about this whole story. And, you know, we talked about it a bit, um, but to add a bit more to it, it seems as though Donald Trump and, and a lot of his supporters, the elected officials in particular, are blameless in okay. their own minds. And Everything, everything is a concerted conspiracy to take them down. Mm-hmm. In other words, all 63 judges that ruled that there was no um, election fraud, the entirety of the media, um, with the exception of Fox News and then, of course, less reputable, more right leaning uh, institutions. And then you know, elected officials that don't stand directly with him, be they Republican or Democrat, um, the January 6th committee, people that he hired. In fact, he hired yeah. the FBI uh, director who approved this raid and he appointed the judge that signed off on the search warrant. You know what I mean? And so for him to then and and his supporters to then suggest that these are Democrats 
that are conspiring against him. And these are, in fact, the people that he appointed. And then to add to that, the reason that this law exists is because he signed it into law after he was elected to make sure that records were kept um, properly. Presidential records and uh, federal records were kept properly. So he himself, on the heels of his campaign in 2016, signed this in the law. And then now he's a victim of uh, or a consequence, I should say, of the law that he signed into effect. And yet and still he finds a way to blame everyone else or otherwise cast doubt uh, on law enforcement. All of a sudden, this is the party of you know law and order back the blue. And then all of a sudden uh, the law enforcement is planting evidence. Oh, so now they're planting evidence. You know, when we were in the streets in 2020 talking about the way police um, and law enforcement agencies tend to behave with respect to black and brown people. Um, it was almost as though we were imagining it to them. And now that it's happening to them, now they're saying, uh, you know, how can the FBI investigate itself and find itself blameless? And these are all things that, you know, so my, what I find interesting is not only the hypocrisy uh, over there, but also the fact that these guys can, let's say, make 10 mistakes over and over again. And their base will look at it and say, oh, you know, there's there's not a pattern here, you know. Yeah. And and what 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 a lot of us on this side look at it and see, you know, us that subscribe to a shared reality and not what I would consider to be a delusion. We can look at it and say, well, um, you know, this is this is a pattern of behavior that is indicative of a person's character and of of, you know, their who they are. And so um, it'll be interesting to see the way the rest of these things flesh out. But uh, for now, you'd be hard pressed to convince me that um, this is a bad look uh, for them and that this sets a precedent that um, other folks won't be willing to uh, to tolerate. Because um, I think in principle, his law is meant to keep everything buttoned up, you know, to his credit. But he is not the sort of person that likes to be buttoned up. And because he has blind supporters and they uh, are very good at spinning uh, things and casting doubt um, and confusing the American people. Um, it just is an easy flow to go along with for a lot of folks who want that to be true. So we'll see yeah. what happens. I think it's important to also note that the Department of Justice operates independently of the president. Thank you. Whether, you know, whoever's in office, whether that had been Trump at the time or now President Biden. So the fact that this is happening, this it wasn't like it was Biden's order or on Biden's order or anything of that nature. In fact, the president, President Biden, did not know it was happening until after the fact. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I am curious to see what are the processes in something like that, um, because, again, Florida Senator Marco Rubio is accusing the FBI of possibly breaking the law with this raid. Um, but yet and still, I think it is important to note that the Department of Justice operates independent of the president. So, yeah, that wasn't uh, Biden's call. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. 
It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right. For the first time in decades, the city of Detroit won't have a black representative in Congress. Bree, give us more on this one. Listen, this is my hometown, so this is kind of personal for me. <laughs> um, I'm originally from Detroit, and so this is kind of unheard of in my lifetime. I've never known there to not be any black representation. And unfortunately, this will be if it does, in fact, happen. Uh, the city of Detroit will have no blacks representing them for the first time since 1955 when Charles Diggs Jr. took office. Um, so Detroit is over 80 percent black, um, a very black city, one of the blackest in the country. And uh, Democrats, Sri Tanadar, who happens to be uh, Indian, and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who is of Palestinian descent, she, uh, they both won their Democratic primaries. And Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, who was uh, holding the seat, was not seeking a fifth term. So there was that gap left open there to fill with other candidates. And there were several, several candidates running and uh, even candidates that are familiar to People nationally, like John Conyers, his father held uh, his seat for decades. Uh, he didn't get many of the votes. We had uh, Sherry Gay Dagnogo. We had Adam Olier, who actually was the closest to Sri Tanadar as far as winning. Um, and he's a young black man who was running. Sharon McPhail, who's been a name in politics in Detroit forever. Sam Riddle, Portia Robertson, Lori Rutledge. He beat all of them. And so what we do have is one candidate who happens to be a Republican and his name is Martel Bivings. I did not become aware of him until way later in the game. So I was like, well, who is this guy? He uh, is running and he is basically saying, give me a chance and I'll give you a choice. 
Uh, he thinks that uh, Detroit and Metro Detroiters deserve a better choice in Congress. And he says he has the energy to outwork those around him um, and the experience. And he's looking to make the new 13th congressional district a model district. So I don't know if people are willing to give him a chance. But since black voters did not seem to turn out and vote for their own it would be interesting to see if a Republican black candidate could parlay this into an opportunity to build his campaign, whereas there's no other black representation uh, currently present that is going to make a difference. And the city of Detroit, as far as the numbers go, uh, the turnout was only 15 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, the total number of voters, 77,749. And this is according to DetroitMI.gov. And the number of registered voters in Detroit, specifically 504,215. Wow. So you can see the voter turnout was very low. Um, it usually is for the primaries, but this this is very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. And it begs the question, what does that mean for the future? Not only for the city of Detroit, but period. Like, can black people be represented with no black representation? That's or, along, or along party lines. I mean, um, you know, not to, it's no secret that uh, majority of blacks uh, or black people tend to uh, align with the Democratic Party. So what fascinates me about this story, Brie, is you said that or offline, I will say that you mentioned that this man is a Howard University graduate, HBCU attendee. Yeah. So he's a Detroit native. Um, he went to an HBCU and not to say it like this, but D.C. has a heavy black population as well. And uh-huh. if D.C. doesn't, Maryland does. And if Maryland doesn't, Northern Virginia does. So you're surrounded in an area that is quite diverse and there's plenty of uh, black people, which makes me fascinated to I'm, I'm just curious as to what inspired him to run Republican or run along those party lines. That is very interesting. I don't know because I don't think we know much about him as a candidate. Like, I feel nobody was paying attention if we're just going to keep it a buck. (laughs) Nobody was paying attention. So I think he has a really unique opportunity here to capitalize on the publicity that this is getting nationally. Now, I don't have a lot in the way of uh, a a scientific basis for this, mm -hmm. Um, but just a general feeling that I have about this sort of thing Mm -hmm. is that when we have, uh, low voter turnout that's more representative of a great deal of hopelessness in uh, a community in a given you know uh, society and uh, you know when people lose faith in a system they i would imagine would no longer want to invest their time and energy into that system because they don't believe that their voice matters or that the outcomes will shape things that have to do with their day-to-day lives. And so um, the unfortunate thing about that is that one side of the aisle tends to benefit when there's low voter turnout. Mm -hmm. Um, Although this country, and I'm sure Detroit as well, but this country by and large um, has more people in it, way more people that subscribe to a more liberal philosophy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conservatives are way more engaged in the political process and have instituted strategic advantages at various points uh, in the democratic process to ensure favorable uh, conservative outcomes. And Mm -hmm. so unless there is overwhelming uh, liberal turnout for liberal candidates, um, you know, when folks do not engage, uh, it tends to favor the other side. And so what we're seeing 
is sort of a, a runaway train in that uh, the folks with uh, who would really want to vote for black candidates, black candidates whose values represent their own, so forth and so on, that have perhaps lost faith in, in the uh, in the election, uh, in in the electoral process, and in, in government in general. We're ending up seeing what what the end result of that could look like. Right. You often see this happening with the primaries and midterm elections. Mm -hmm. A lot of the voter turnout when it comes to, like you said, uh, more of the liberal turnout, it tends to be the presidential election. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it's unfortunate, Brie, that that's, you know, that that's happening in Detroit. it, Um, It is. But after I will say this, after the presidency of Barack Obama. Do you think black people need black candidates to represent their interests? If you had several people that said they didn't particularly care for the way the Obamas ran the country, we liked them. But what did what what got done for black people? So if we're going to leave it about race, do black people need black candidates to represent their interests in Congress? That's an excellent question. Um, and it, I'm sure it's a, a matter of a case by case basis. I do recognize that Obama right. was not a perfect president, but he was the president of the United States. And so right. perhaps was not the perfect black president for black people, nor was he the perfect uh, Hispanic president or Middle Eastern president. But, you know, there are some people who might be able to get some things across the finish line a little bit easier than Obama could, because, as you know, he was fought tooth and nail on a lot of exactly. stuff, not right. making excuses, but this is politics and this is how yeah. the game goes. And for me, someone who has not represented individuals in a political arena, um, I can only imagine what it is a person is up against being the first black person right. having to leave a seat or an opportunity for future black people to get in there and not shock the country to its core while there are so many other things changing around that still powerful conservative white, Christian, male landowner. And so, uh, yeah, again, the only thing that we can do is wait and see, but hopefully, you know, people won't lose too much more faith in the uh, democratic process because we actually do need to shape this country. And we do that by taking the time to vote in midterms and in the presidential election. Moving on. Serena Williams announces her retirement from tennis, citing family. Morgan, give us a bit more about this. Yes. So she uh, did announce her upcoming retirement from the sport. She did so in a published piece in Vogue and said, quote, these days, if I have to choose between building my tennis resume and building my family, I choose the latter. Now, she did say she was reluctant to say she was going to step step away from the sport um, and called it a taboo topic. But um, that's, in fact, what she is going to do. She's saying that she's evolving away from tennis. And uh, yeah, so the U.S. Open will be her last event. And um, unfortunately, she's actually one step closer after getting knocked out of the second round of the Canadian Open by Belinda Bensick. Yeah. Well, we will um, certainly uh, be very proud of her. Whatever she leaves us with, that legacy was well established many moons ago. And so um, we wish her all the best in all of her future endeavors. Uh, and of course, uh, with, you know, spending time with her family. We all love that. Well, thank you both very much for your insight. Once again, our guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Morgan Wood and Bree Wood. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. 
I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.